Um, so welcome back to our final Sunday of um, looking back at the first hundred years of the Children's Fresh Air Farm and looking forward to the next hundred years. Um, today, uh, the, the previous sessions um, are online, um, the audio recordings of them. Um, you go to sermons, audio, um, and you can find it. You got to go to the website, look for audio sermons. Got to kind of drill down a little bit, but um, but it's they're there, and I encourage you to go back and listen to some of them. Um, a refrain I want to uh, start with is how how was the fresh air farm um, born? Uh, Henry Edmonds asked a benefactor of the church, Robert Meyer. Do you want is there do you want to spend your money in a way that will leave a good taste in your mouth? Do you want to spend your money or your time in a way that will leave a good taste in your mouth? And when Robert Meyer said yes, he said, hold on, let me, let me give you an idea. And he went out and he found out what the greatest need in the community was. And he came back and they launched together the Children's Fresh Air Farm. And you have an opportunity now, because we have um, our, the team that has um, been running the Fresh Air Farm program has been asking that question continually over 100 years, and we have sort of a new answer for that um, and an energized answer for that. What is the greatest need? And I guarantee you, if you are involved in the STAIR program or the Children's Fresh Air Farm program um, over the summer um, and throughout the year, you will leave with a good taste in your mouth if you put your time, your money, your effort into it. Um, and um, so, again, um, thank you for being here. And I'm going to just welcome up the panel. I believe Jenny Williams is going to be first. Um, and she will introduce herself as far as her history um, and uh, the new era of the farm that she helped usher in. So, thank you all. Good morning. Um, so, after 80 years, it was time to reassess the best use for our mission on the mountain in Bluff Park. And Susan Clayton honored the process used by Dr. Edmonds by surveying community stakeholders. And Susan got the answer, yes, we still need for you to get our children out of these neighborhoods, but your program must address their educational deficits. Jim Wooten's work with the IPC Foundation gave him a broad overview of educational programs, and Jim found an abundance of research that documented summer learning loss. For affluent children, summer means enrichment. For disadvantaged children, summer means a loss of two to three months in academic skills. The research shows that the summer learning losses are not recaptured, but rather they snowball into really big educational deficits. Jim um, located a summer learning program provider that offered a prototype with the key components we needed in curriculum, testing, enrichment, and with support personnel. And since IPC's members had already fallen in love with their STEER students, it was the natural progression to offer the summer learning program to that year's STEER graduates. The families knew and trusted Evelyn Puckett and the STEER tutors, 
And that resulted in a faith that our church would offer a quality program. Evelyn Puckett was crucial for recruiting students and navigating schools. And Jim connected us with area nonprofits for enrichment both at the farm and for field trips. And we used over the years dozens of area nonprofits. Birmingham is, has an abundance of um, enrichment programs. So thanks to the work of many, we had campers registered, the facility read, ready, um, the teachers and staff hired and trained and food and supplies and testing and curriculum and busing and all the things you gotta have to have children out at that farm. IPC folks volunteered with every aspect of the camp from enrichment to Bible studies to chaperoning a field trip. And stair tutors came out for breakfast and for lunch or to share an activity with their kids. And one of the great joys every year, that year and every year, was the participation of our IPC youth as employees and as volunteers. They gave up much of their summers to brave the heat and the sticky little campers and the bugs. They were climbing toys that gave hugs and piggyback rides. They helped in every aspect of the camp and they answered every request with a smile and a yes ma'am. And I was always grateful that the campers got to be around our youth. 2010 was a great beginning and it was a great success, but it wasn't because we had all the kinks um, ironed out or a final program. We did not, but we had a clear vision of what the talents and resources of this church could offer for the educational needs of these very special children. This summary of 2010 applies to every one of my seven summers. In addition to the spiritual, academic enrichment, and physical education benefits, the camp provided a safe environment for children from disadvantaged neighborhoods, offered free childcare to low-income families, and served two nourishing meals and a snack to children of poverty. Test results show that our students made three months gain in math and one month in reading in a five-week program compared to the expected two to three month loss in academic skills. The following year, we went to a six-week program and we invited that year's STEER graduates, graduates and the previous year's campers doing the same thing our third year, so that after a child had completed IPC's STEER program, they were invited to the farm for the following three summers and eventually for holiday fun days and spring break camps. Every year, we tweaked curriculum and found new resources. We remodeled, we updated the facility to serve the edu children's educational needs. We adapted our services to address the needs we saw. If students struggled to see the chalkboard, we added vision screening. Children who had never put their face in the water got Red Cross water safety instruction. We continued the shoe voucher program. We added a backpack full of school supplies and a new school uniform. A great leap forward for the program was finding better testing that gave immediate, accurate assessments on each child. The day they took the test, you could see what they didn't know. They don't know how to tell time. The teachers taught how to tell time. We had a rising fifth grade girl who was testing second grade math. Her teacher taught her how to multiply and she left the camp fifth grade second month. 
our reading intervention got more individualized during camp. And after a few years, we were able to have teachers tutor campers during the school year as well. Our music program matured into a star of the show. The children who struggled, who struggled to stay even near grade level could learn so much when set to music. It also replaced the negative with the positive. One day the children started just spontaneously rapping, not the inappropriate songs they came to camp knowing, but they started rapping, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Our graduation exercises became productions that the children could be proud of. And like our IPC youth, Fresh Air Farm campers can sing the Ten Commandments, the fruits of the Spirit. They sing songs of faith and prayer and love. One of our Bluff Park neighbors said he ate lunch on his porch every day so he could hear the children singing in chapel. We used every opportunity to teach the biblical basics and to let our campers know that God loves them. Every child got a Bible every year, and we had chapel and inspirational pep talks every day. The summer learning program is successful because of the faculty, the staff, and the volunteers that model faith, love, and respect. Our teachers and staff have been an all-star cast dropped from heaven onto Bluff Park. They show the power of education done right. Their love of these children shines through long, hot days and challenging scholars, and it was supposed to be their summer off. The Cahaba River Society awarded our teachers the Educator of the Year Award, and this is what they stated. Our group was unusual in the orderly discipline the teachers maintained, and thus the ability of the kids to focus and learn. The trusting and supportive relationship between the kids and the Fresh Air Farm was wonderful to see. Our congregation, our Fresh Air Farm committees, our scout troops, they've cleaned gutters and bath huts and cleared privet. Eagle Scouts have donated their Eagle Scout project to the farm. They've updated, remodeled, and prepped the facility every year to meet the changing program and the educational needs. We replaced the old pro playground with the beautiful new Dale Kyle Head um, playground in recognition of her many years at the ministry. And at the end of every camp, we return the adorable and unique souls back to their struggling homes in their disadvantaged neighborhoods. But we send them back ready to learn. Before their time at the camp, many have never heard a Bible story They've never heard the basics of American history. They've never eaten a blueberry or dyed an Easter egg. But when they leave camp, they have. So the children were shown a part of life that should have never been hidden from them and can never be taken away. Thank you. Jenny and I were both joking that we might be the only speakers who used notes, uh, but it's not because we didn't have enough to say. It's because we were afraid you'd be here till next Sunday if we uh, didn't try to consolidate. So I could talk all day and all night about the Children's Fresh Air Farm. Since becoming director in 2018, it has been my greatest joy in life. And anyone who knows me has probably heard me talk ad nauseum about the work that Jenny and Jim did to lay the foundation for this incredible summer learning program. 
Tom referenced in one of the first weeks of the talk that we are standing on the shoulders of giants. I hope that you have heard that to be true. And I am deeply honored to be standing on the shoulders of Jenny and Jim and the work that they did to lay the foundation for such an incredible summer at the farm. My role since 2018 has been to grow the ministry of the Children's Fresh Air Farm, to build upon that firm foundation. And it has happened. In Jenny's first summer, there were 34 graduates who indeed left the camp filled with joy and love and knowledge that can never be taken away from them. This past summer, we graduated 104 graduates from the summer learning program with plans to graduate even more this summer. It probably sounds made up, but long before I knew about IPC, long before I knew about the Children's Fresh Air Farm, I was praying about an opportunity like this one about a place where I could use my gifts and skills as limited as they might be as an educator, but also a place where kids could learn and grow in the love of God. There aren't that many places that have both things, a place where kids can be affirmed in their dignity and worth, polished in their academic skills, and reminded daily about their value and love from God. Our campers are learning. Jenny said that, that they're avoiding the summer slide, that tendency for them to slip in their academic skills. But the farm is so much more than that. Yes, we're tackling the achievement gap. Jenny referenced some of the data I could share, five years worth more, that show that we are shrinking that gap. Our students are certainly learning. But summer at the Fresh Air Farm is not just about academics. Our students participate in weekly field trips, to learn more about the city and the world around them. They have physical education, swim instruction, art, music, chapel, yoga, drama, gardening, nutrition, and probably dozens of other things that I can't even think of right now. They read high quality books and they participate in novel studies with their class. And one of my favorite moments is at the end of each summer when the kids are literally on the edge of their seat to find out how the book ends. We have breakfast, lunch, and snack. I'm thankful to say I have never seen a child at the Fresh Air Farm cry when they saw food, but we recognize that food insecurity remains a major obstacle for many of our families. During the 2018 school year, we did some listening sessions with parents. The farm committee knew that the ministry was poised to grow, but we wanted to ensure that any growth we had was aligned with the needs and desires of families. We heard two strong things over and over again. The need for quality after school programs that supported academics and the need to expand our summer learning program to serve older students. Parents described their child's deep love for the fresh air farm, but lamented that our program ended in some of the most crucial years of their development. If you think back to middle school, you remember it was tough. Fast forward to graduation 2018 from the summer learning program. And I do not know who cried more, me or the fifth grade boys who thought it was their last summer at the Fresh Air Farm. I don't think weeping even begins to describe it. I saw in those moments the impact of this thin place, of fifth grade boys begging us to come back to a summer learning program. And then the farm committee did what you've heard it do over and over again in the last 100 years. It adapted 
became resourceful, and responded to need. And in the summer of 2019, we had our first rising sixth grade class. In the summer of 2020, when much of the world was shutting down and many nonprofits were having to scale back, we opened our first ever seventh grade class. And last year, we took the plunge again and opened a rising eighth grade class. Because we are a sucker for tears and a good mission, I guess. The good work of Evelyn Puckett, our social worker, has already been referenced, but Evelyn and I always joke that we're going to follow these kids in our car to college or careers. And because the kids know us so well, I think they know that we're not joking. Those big, tough eighth grade boys at graduation after their eighth grade summer, they still cried. They still made me and Miss Michelson and Miss Puckett cry because this is the place that they want to be. They felt such deep love and ownership over this program, and I found myself quivering at this exact same microphone saying, I don't think we can have ninth grade. In our tagline today, though, I promise that to talk about where the farm is going. The exciting news is that the farm is doing what the farm has always done, continuing to listen to the needs of the community, and do its best to respond. And this year we're doing that with the support of the discernment committee. The discernment committee blessed the farm with some funds for us to hire an interventionist position again, someone who can support the growing academic needs of our campers throughout the school year. They also approved an opportunity for us to open another second grade class. We've been growing older, supporting our older campers for many, many years now, but we also recognize that the gap in learning the gap in achievement begins early. Many of you, some people have actually stopped me to ask about the Third Grade Literacy Act that's going into effect, and so this is a great way for our congregation to respond and support early literacy amongst students. As we grow with our kids, we learn more and more about them, and an emerging need over the last few years has been to provide a counselor for the summer learning program. Our students have diverse academic needs, like Jenny referenced. They also have social and emotional learning needs. The discernment committee provided us the opportunity to walk alongside our kids and support their social and emotional learning this year. And I'm excited to say that the discernment committee also is supporting us in bringing about an internship program. Those eighth grade tiers paid off, I suppose, and we're uh, planning to open an opportunity for our oldest campers to return as interns to the Fresh Air Farm and to work this summer to learn job skills, um, and to come to the place that they love so much and give back. So we'll be looking forward to opening our first ever ninth grade internship class this summer. Like I said, I could talk on and on. I wish though that I could have the kids here with us to share with you what the Fresh Air Farm means to them. I wish you had the opportunity to be on the bus with Evelyn and I when the kids pull into the camp with their parents for the very first time. Their eyes absolutely light up. Some parents are teary-eyed as they think about this place of safety and love and faith that their kids will get to spend the entire summer. I personally can't walk the halls of our partner school, Hayes K-8, without hearing my name being called, receiving a giant hug, and kids screaming, when does camp start? Even if it's only been a few weeks since camp ended. And all of this because of a vision 100 years ago and because of the faithfulness of this congregation. 
The kids no longer wear sunsuits made by the women of IPC. And I will not be asking for chickens at the Fresh Air Farm Appeal this year. But the farm longs for your participation and support. Perhaps this summer you'll find yourself at the Fresh Air Farm serving as a volunteer or a tutor. Maybe you'd like to go on one of those special field trips to the Cahaba River or the McWayne Center or the University of Alabama with us. Maybe you have time in the afternoons to volunteer with our students at our liftoff program. Maybe time isn't the thing that you have right now and you'd like to support our healthy food initiative and donate snacks. I hope that over these last few weeks you've heard that the farm is a treasure of this congregation and one that needs your support. And as I'm looking around the room, I can't help but notice how many of you have gathered at the Fresh Air Farm as well. Some I can see in the crowd who fondly remember Bible Times Marketplace. I know there are some youth in the room who participated in lock-ins and bonfires and confirmation retreats and fall festivals. And if you've ever been to the farm, even for a day, I bet you've experienced the joy and presence of God the same way that our campers do each time they come through the gates. So many kids, so many kids over 100 years have experienced the deep and abiding love of God at the Fresh Air Farm. So many have been fed physically and spiritually. So many have learned and grown and played. And so many have been reminded day in and day out how deeply loved they are. I wanted to close today by letting some people much better than me share what the Fresh Air Farm means to them. I like the garden because it's so pretty and we get to plant flowers and we get to just see the beautiful flowers that are in the garden. I have fun with my teachers and friends. We sometimes do math games. It'd be really fun. I love the activities and I own the activities. Out of all of the two years I have been at the Fresh Air Farm, it hasn't been one thing that they couldn't teach me. It's definitely different than a regular school. Um, we do have what we call regular school in the morning, uh, but in the afternoon we have opportunities to swim and uh, work in the garden, pick blueberries. We have opportunities to go to drama and music. It's a more relaxed atmosphere, but it's a very enriching atmosphere as well. This is a unique opportunity for students to get an experience that they wouldn't have, you know, being at home. We're always outside, whether we're doing lessons outside in the garden or just moving from place to place. We also take field trips every Friday where we get to experience different things out in the world, whether that be walking through a forest and through the creek and looking for crawfish and different bugs, or we're at the Museum of Flight and we're learning about how Alabama has had a role in flight. I've seen a great amount of uh, progress with these kids. At this point in the summer, our kids would do anything for each other and we've become uh, like a great family and I look forward to spending time together each day. Academically, I, ha I always see a lot of growth. We test them at the beginning of the summer and again at the end of the summer. We usually see an average of two to three months growth which is significant because there's a typical trend of the summer slag during the summer, and so these children are getting to build upon skills and build upon their knowledge so that they're ready to go back to school in the fall. 
It's so fulfilling as a teacher just to see how far that they've grown academically and you know, socially and emotionally, um, you know, coming together and congregating together. It's a very heartfelt, enriching time. We're really able to get to know each and every one of these kids and know uh, what they love and what they don't like and who they want to be when they grow up and really get to target our lessons and our activities to those special qualities that they have and the, uh, the things that they love and, um, and bring it all back to um, the love of Jesus and sharing our faith with them. At the graduation ceremony, it's really a sweet time to see the culmination of all of their hard work that they've put into, whether it's the songs or the celebration of their achievements academically. It's a wonderful time for them to showcase to their parents and to the community of all the things that they've accomplished this summer. I think that we all feel like we're a part of a community here, a God-felt Christian community, the kids and the teachers. I think we all grow spiritually while we're here. There's not just one word to describe uh, this, this camp and uh, this beautiful farm. Uh, I'm almost speechless when I think about the, how we've already gone through six weeks of, of camp. Joy um, probably would be the word I would use to describe camp. I mean, the second they get off the bus in the morning, they're excited to be here. When they leave, they're, they're sad, they want to come back. Um, so I think joy and just seeing it on their faces in the morning and academics when we're playing games or in the afternoon when we're having fun in our different rotations, I think joy would be the experience I get from it and I think the children also get from it as well. Catherine mentioned tears a couple of times. Let me share with you. When this group got together by Zoom to prepare for this presentation, there was, they were so teary-eyed, I was concerned that they were really going to be able to get through this. But this is really great. I do appreciate it. I'm, I'm seeing a couple of tears over there now. You can't, but I can. So I'm Jim Wooten, and I would like to uh, revisit if, a little bit uh, the time period that they've covered. So we've been through four weeks now where we've heard about this wonderful mission on the mountain, uh, and we've seen the, the great work, the wonderful work that's happening down at that sacred space in Bluff Park that we call the Children's Fresh Air Farm. But um, the, um, uh, the, the fact is that that's not the whole story, and what I want to share with you is information about that that uh, takes a much broader view. So let's go back to the summer of 2010, and Jenny and Catherine have covered it well. We learned a couple of really important lessons there. Number one, we learned that uh, if we were serious about closing the gap between the haves and the have-nots, that summer learning was a great place to start. The research says maybe it's even the best place to start. Uh, Jenny talked to you about summer learning laws. Secondly, we learned that an organization like IPC, which had a rich experience in running good summer camps, but camps that had no academics built in, could introduce academics in such a way that they turned those summer learning losses into summer learning gains. So that made us very enthusiastic, and the team at IPC was very committed to moving forward with the program at the farm to continuing that summer learning program. It really was a pilot that first year. We didn't know. But they were ready to go. They were committed to growing it over time. But at the same time, IPC, the congregation, was committed to that. 
IPC, the foundation, was excited about this and thinking, this is really good. We need to be supporting work like this in other places around the state. Problem we quickly discovered was there weren't any. In effect, nobody was doing this the way it needs to be done except IPC. So we took an unusual approach for us. We went proactive. In effect, we decided that we were going to start a summer learning industry here in Alabama. And to do that, we came up with a three-pronged strategy. Number one, we were going to recruit more programs, more organizations like IPC who were interested in replicating their approach. Number two, we knew we didn't have enough funds to support it to the scale that was needed. So we were going to recruit other funders, uh, the Community Foundation, United Way, to join us in supporting this work. And third, uh, and Jenny talked a little bit about this, we, we discovered that we could in fact run a good program at an organization like IPC, but we also found out it was hard. And we knew that not every organization was going to get it right the first time. And so we needed a process by which we could monitor their outcomes, determine where they were strong and where they weren't, and then help them grow in those areas that needed strengthening. If you will, a quality assurance frame, framework. So, uh, out of that came a new organization. We, uh, we, as the foundation began going around Birmingham and trying to recruit others of interest, uh, after about a couple of years, the fall of 2012, we had a group of 12 programs that were interested in doing this kind of work, and we found a group of six funders who were interested in supporting this kind of work. So we came together, formed a new organization that we call SAIL, Summer Adventures in Learning. Thank you, Stair, for allowing us to borrow from, uh, it's not plagiarism if you give it credit, right? Okay. So uh, we formed this organization. Now this is not an IPC program. This is an independent 501c3 organization, but the Fresh Air Farm is, is a member, one of the program members, and the foundation is a funder and one of the funder members. So if you want to think of it, uh, SAIL is not an IPC organization, but in fact it came about as a result of the work done at the Fresh Air Farm so one way to think about it is that uh, the fresh air farm is the cradle of sale. So you might ask, how's that strategy working for you? And I'm pleased to tell you quite well. Uh, as a matter of fact, and uh, this is hard to see, but this is a map of Alabama with dots. Uh, one dot for each of the programs that sale supported last summer, 33 of them, about 1,700 students, uh, and growing. So in terms of program growth, we've done quite well. Uh, in terms of funding, uh, last summer we had 15 funders that contributed about $900,000 to support these programs. Uh, the red line at the bottom, hard to see, shows that we've had about $900 to $1 million worth of funding each year. The blue line at the top shows that our cumulative funding over the 10-year period has uh, almost reached $9 million. And in terms of program quality, so we have steadily grown. Our quality assurance framework has been successful. Uh, steadily grown. Uh, last summer across the state, on average, our students gained over four months of skills in math and almost three in reading. 
So again, back to the summer learning loss that you've heard about, compare that to the two to three month loss that these students would have if they weren't in a program like SAIL. They're going to school in the fall a half a year ahead of where they would have been. So uh, let's try to put that uh, in a big picture. So we said that um, that sale would never have happened had it not been for the work done at the Fresh Air Farm in the summer of 2010. So we as a congregation at IPC can think about the Fresh Air Farm is our direct impact. That's the work that we do. And we can think about sale as our indirect impact. It's work that happened as a result of what we did. So let me try to illustrate that to you in two charts. So this chart shows cumulative enrollment at the Fresh Air Farm. The farm has averaged about 85 students a year, so the total enrollment over the 10-year period, 852. Now let's look at a chart that includes all of sale. So the Fresh Air Farm is here. It's that small blue line at the bottom that you can barely see. The green represents all the other students enrolled in all the other sale programs over the past 10 years. So you can see that your indirect impact is 20-fold your direct impact. So um, how does that make you feel? Uh, I suspect you're a little surprised, most of you. Uh, I hope you're pleased to see that. But let me suggest uh, another way that it might be helpful to think about it. So we, we've heard about all the work that went into making the Fresh Air Farm what it is today. Uh, that farm would never have been what we know it to be today if Robert R. Meyer had merely written a check. It took a lot more than that. It took people with vision and passion and commitment and people who had influence that were, they were willing to use to uh, convince others to join us as we did this work. And the same is true of sale. Couldn't have been done without all that human capital. So as we think about the farm and all the wonderful work that's been done at that mission on the mountain, let's remember that that's as a result of the congregation, the people of IPC, using all of our gifts to make that happen. And let's let it inspire us uh, when we think about the farm to think about not just that mission on the mountain, but the next mission on the next mountain and the one after that. So. Thank you for your time and attention. Tom, I'll turn it back over to you. So, or did he just make a monetary gift? I know a little bit about Robert Meyer. He was in the hotel business and a very prominent uh, hotel um, empire uh, for a number of years, hotels throughout the South. Um, so, going back to the origin, was his gift money, land, or both? Or do we know? So the, the, Perry, the Perrys, who were the owners of the farm originally, the, the, the property, sold their property at a charitable rate. There was an original purchase of the land by Meyer, um, who held it until such a time through the Depression, the IPC was out of debt, and then was able to turn the property over to IPC. And then it has, the property has also been added to over the years. 
Thank you, George. Uh, the budget for the Fresh Air Farm, including the maintenance of the property and all the programming, is right at a half million dollars. Um, the farm is a half million dollars. The farm is very fortunate to have a strong endowment. Um, so the majority of the funding for the Fresh Air Farm comes from the endowment. But we also um, were a sale grant recipient. We also apply for some external grants. Um, and we also are very fortunate to have the support of the congregation um, in financial giving toward the farm. Um, I want to just mention, um, for context, um, <clears throat> we draw our students uh, from Hayes K-8, that's been mentioned, and from the community, which is across the tracks uh, in Avondale. 85% um, of the students at uh, Hayes are economically disadvantaged. Um, that compares to much lower to non-existent uh, percentage of students at our over-the-mountain schools. Um, and they're 100% black and brown, uh, 80, uh, almost 90% black and 10% Hispanic. There is really little to no uh, white um, representation in that school. At the end of last year, um, the ACAP scores, the reading scores that were mentioned, 62% of the third graders were not reading at grade level and would be vulnerable to uh, retention without intervention. So not only is this a heartwarming you know, attempt for us to plug into a great societal challenge, um, it's a crisis, frankly. Uh, it's, and it's been a long-running crisis and we um, need all the help we can get um, to, to address this. So, other questions? <laughs> I'd like to know if it's handicap accessible because I noted no children in wheelchairs. And my second question was the cumulative third grade act. I'd like to know more about that as well, the new education act, thank you. So she asked if, it, if the farm was handicap accessible because she didn't notice uh, handicapped children and um, also she wanted to ask more about the implications of the Literacy Act. Thanks, Terry. Um, I will say the farm is not currently ADA accessible. However, we are in the process of two major um, property improvements. One is the renovation of the garden and the second is the renovation of the pool house and both of those are ADA accessible facilities now. So as we move toward Continuing Jenny's great work of continue maintaining the property, we're moving towards ADA accessibility. Um, they'll have ADA accessible restrooms in the new pool house. Um, the whole facility is ADA accessible. So we're not currently at this time, but we're moving in the right direction, I would say. Um, and to the second question about the Third Grade Literacy Act, Terry, um, there are many experts who could speak much more strongly than me, and there are some educators in the room who also could speak um, highly to that. It's a there are a lot of questions surrounding the Literacy Act, but the retention piece that Tom was referencing goes into effect next school year. Um, and I will say we had a great sale forum that talked a lot about this act um, and about the Numeracy Act that's coming as well. And the goal of it is for as many children as possible in the state of Alabama to meet the minimum standard for literacy to be on grade level. And there are so many programs and so much funding from our state going into trying to help as many students as possible meet those benchmarks. Um, the schools are pouring into it. There are lots of opportunities for students to receive um, stair tutoring, lift off tutoring, tutoring through the school before the ACAP, 
Um, the ACAP is the new state standardized test. Students who don't pass that have opportunities to enter summer learning programs and retest the ACAP at the end of the summer with the goal of as many students being promoted as possible. But the ultimate goal is that students in Alabama are literate. So I think it's um, just making nod toward Tom's comments about how many students are falling behind in reading. Of the eligible uh, students at Hayes, what's the participation rate? Um, at capacity since I started in 2018. So we have never had a program where we could have filled spots, but they were not filled. Um, so we've been at what we deemed our financial capacity for the last at least five years, and Jenny, I think, during her years as well, what we felt we could support. Um, and for us, about 85% of our kids the last few years have been at Hayes. We always have folks who hear the good news about what's happening on the mountain and uh, cousins and friends who want to enroll in the program as well. So. We sit at right about 85% of students who are at Hayes attending during the school year. Um, but I think the best answer to your question is that we're, we're full. <laughs> so we, we take enrollment of 20 per class. Um, so 20 this year, in two classes in second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Let me just generalize on that for a second. So uh, we showed you the numbers and said that last year sale programs uh, enrolled about 1,700 students. So if you look at the number of students in grades K through 8 in Alabama who are below grade level, uh, that's about 500,000. So uh, just we're, we're a great drop in the bucket, but we're dropping the bucket. While I'm walking back to uh, Jim, one thing to know about the Literacy Act is that, um, as Catherine did a great job uh, explaining it, the requirement uh, or the goal or the vision is to have all kids reading at grade level by third grade, which is crucial because if you, you're learning to read by third grade and beyond that, you have to be able to read to learn. You're expected to be able to read to learn. And um, study after study has shown if you're not reading by the end of third grade, um, your chances of academic success and catching up later um, are hugely diminished. And so 62% of Hayes students at the end of uh, last year on reading did not uh, test in the third grade, did not test at grade level. That wouldn't necessarily have meant 62% of those students would be retained, though they would be vulnerable to it. Um, the There's summer learning interventions. There's some of those who would be considered um, have uh, educational plans, 504s, and so forth, who were, would be have programmed intervention and be able to progress with their grade level. But um, the point is to have all the kids. I mean, what else are we, what are we going to do? It, we, we had a, a the stair tutor meeting, and um, I was trying to explain, well, it's not exactly a panic situation because there are all these interventions we can do and we can bring kids up to grade level and some can you know, skirt through with excuses and, and different alternative plans. And then somebody said, oh, well, that's all well and good, but we're really going to pass people that can't read into fourth grade? Um, so it's kind of a, a laser's edge. It's a razor's edge. You know, one, one bad thing would be to promote people who aren't able to read. The other bad thing is to hold kids back who need to be with their folks. This is kind of a follow-up question to the uh, 
capacity and, and demand. Um, you mentioned that uh, Fresh Air Farm is, is at capacity. Um, I'm wondering uh, if, if the number is 85 uh, for illustration. I'm not sure what that number is. How many applications do we have to fill those spots? And kind of a related question, um, do we have a number, a budget number of cost per kid to where uh, one could say, hey, if you write a check for X number of dollars, you can help a kid come to the fresh air farm or we can increase that number. Is that a viable way to look at the potential of increasing capacity? Great question. Um, <clears throat> to speak to the wait list portion of your question, um, we have had a, a relatively long wait list for the last few years. Normally 20 to 25 are on the wait list and that's with limited promotion. That's opening it to stare um, children who've graduated and returning campers um, leaves us with an extensive wait list. And thankfully we are able in many cases to move them to another sale program. Um, we have great resources through sale to offer other summer learning opportunities for campers. Um, the wait list was longer before we did some expanding into these older grades. Um, some of the older grades don't have a wait list because it's just a smaller class of kids who've aged up with us. Um, to answer your question about expansion, um, there is a number that which it costs the camp to host kids for the summer. Um, that number, like many things, has been increasing over the last few years. The cost of transportation, the cost of food, the cost of hiring quality teachers all have gone up, so the, the amount that it costs for a kid to go to camp has gone up for the last few years, um, which puts us in a more limited space. Um, right now, I would say the more limiting factor is one, hiring high quality staff is difficult because summer learning has become such a wonderful trend that many schools are also offering summer opportunities and many teachers choose to be employed there, which is very understandable and schools offer a lot of incentives for that. Um, the second limiting factor is space. For us, so we've been trying to be creative over the last few years. We renovated the last two remaining overnight cabins into classrooms, one in 2019 and one in 2021. Um, and now we are just sort of using every piece of facility that we have at the farm that's usable for summer learning. So last year we moved to an alternating schedule so that classes could, in theory, share space. We're going to test out that theory this summer for the first time with our new second grade class. Um, but space is currently the biggest limiting factor on enrollment for us. And we are adding a second grade and uh, this this summer. I, I think that was. Much. All right, it's uh, ten fifty-two. Um, so, so anybody who's going to eleven o'clock uh, better go. Our panelists will be up here. Thank you.